Hello everyone out there. This is Peter Harris from Commercial Property Advisors, author of the book, Commercial Real Estate Investing for Dummies, and coach and mentor to many commercial real estate investors all across this great nation of ours. The title and subject of today's podcast is, It is an absolute must in today's market to learn how to do creative commercial real estate financing. It's an absolute must. Now, I'm going to share with you some of the inside strategies and inside techniques that we use to teach our students to close on deals that no one else would otherwise be able to close on. And why is this so important? There are four main reasons why knowing how to do creative financing with commercial real estate is so important. Here's number one. Number one is you, you, the buyer, what if you don't have all the money for the down payment? What if you have poor credit or what if you don't have the experience that the lender requires for you to get a loan on your commercial property? What do you do? You have a motivated seller, you have a great property, great market, cash flows well, but you don't have all the money or you don't have the credit. What do you do? You need to do something creative. There is a solution for that, a great solution for that that I'll share with you in a couple of minutes. So the uh, number one reason why it could be you. Number two, the second reason why creative financing in commercial estate is so important in learning today is it's a solution for high interest rates. That's right. As you know, interest rates were this high a few years ago. Now they're this high. Now because they're this high, a lot of deals don't cash flow. So same great deal, same motivated seller, awesome cash flow, but the interest rates are killing the deal. What do you do? If you have a motivated seller, great deal, you need to do something creative. So you'll see it when you have a motivated seller and a motivated buyer, beautiful things can be created. The third reason it helps motivated sellers sell to you. Here is a very real situation. When you go direct to a seller and the seller goes, Peter, I would like to sell to you right away. I don't want to do a 1031 exchange. I want to just sell to you and I want to make my money, but I don't want to pay capital gains taxes. Whoa, what do you do with that? So he wants to sell to you, but he doesn't want to pay capital gains taxes. He needs to get out of the property. What do you do? That is so common. You need to know what to do. And the fourth reason why is it helps you handle distressed seller situations. Here's another likely scenario that's going to become more and more common. Let's say an owner has a 16-unit apartment building. Let's say eight of them are vacant because he has no money to fix the property. Or better yet, what if he's not distressed? What if he has the money but doesn't want to deal with eight more tenants? He's just totally burnt out. If you take both of those situations to a lender, the lender will say no because from a lender perspective, that is a distressed property. It's 50% occupied. Lender will say, no, you don't have enough cash flow to support the loan. What do you do in that case? Motivated seller, great property, great potential to cash flow, but you're 50% vacant. What do you do? You need to do something creative. That's an easy solution for us. And what I'm going to share with you are those techniques. So dealing with seller distress, buyer distress, and market distress is an absolute must today. So let me share with you four or five different techniques that you can take right away today and go use on your next deal to close them creatively. Let's get started. Now, before I begin as a responsible uh, coach and mentor, 
I'm going to share with you the four-step process of any type of effective creative financing that you'd like to do. You cannot effectively do this without following these four steps. Prior to being a commercial estate investor, I was an engineer. I did a lot with processes. So processes work in commercial real estate. Here's the uh, four-step process, but before I do that, here's the goal. The goal is to create a win-win for the seller and buyer. Whenever we do a creative strategy with a seller, we are not looking to take advantage of that person or persons. It will come back and bite you in the butt. You know what karma is, right? So we need to create win-win scenarios for the buyer, that's you, and the seller. We're not taking advantage of anyone. Win-win only. Now, where we're going to start is, in this four-step process, you must understand or pull out of the seller what the seller motivation is. It could be things like, Peter, I like to sell my property to you, but I don't want to pay capital gains taxes. Or, Peter, I need to move to Portugal right away, and I need to leave in, in two weeks. I need the property sold. There's no time to get a lender. I need to sell it to you now. Or my family has become ill and I, I just can't deal with the property right now. I need to just, just take it. Something like that where seller's distressed, you must understand the seller motivation first. Because when you understand the seller motivation, then you can design your deal structure around the motivation. The deal structure are going to be the four to five techniques I'm going to share with you in a couple of minutes. So once you understand what structures, what deal techniques are available, you would fit the motivation into one of those techniques. Got it? Okay, so process. So seller motivation to deal structure. And then once you understand the structure, you need to know how to write up an offer. You're going to use a letter of intent. You're going to use a contract. You need to know how to do this. So I will walk you through some of this today. This is the crux of our training that we get to our students because you have an idea of how to do this. How do you actually write it up? That's where 20 years of my experience of doing these creative techniques comes into play. So motivation, deal structure, write up. And then probably the most important thing is once you have all that, what's your extra strategy? Are you going to just buy it and fix it up and sell it? Are you going to do a 1031 exchange? Are you going to do a cash out refi? Because your seller financing structure is going to end. It doesn't go on for 30 years. Okay. It's going to end. Let's say it ends in five years. You need to have a five-year plan to pay off the seller or you're going to lose the property and lose all the equity you gain and lose your down payment. So extra strategy, coming up with one, a razor sharp one, and multiple ones is, is really important. If you can do all four, you're going to create a win-win situation for the seller and the buyer. So I wanted to go over this with you before I jump into the techniques. All right, here we are with the fun stuff. We get to jump into the actual techniques for commercial creative financing, which is my favorite part, by the way, okay? My favorite thing to do because I like doing things that no one else is doing. And this is where fortunes can be made in learning these techniques. This first technique, it's the most powerful technique for creative financing in commercial real estate once you understand it. Our largest creative deals were with this technique here. Our most distressed seller to help him out was with this technique here. Our most distressed buyer, our most distressed student got the deal done by using uh, this technique as well. So the technique is called the master lease agreement. 
I do have a previous video on the master lease agreement. I want you to watch it so you see all the particulars that I go through on this technique. Now, this master lease technique, it is very close to two other techniques. They're almost synonymous. It just maybe depends on which state you're in or slight deal variations, but these three things are, are really close to being the same. Master lease agreement, land contract, master lease agreement, land contract, very close to one another. Also, contract for deed. Contract for deed, master lease agreement, land contract, they're all kind of close to one another. I am not going to break down the differences between the three because they are so close to one another. I'm going to teach you in principle how to use it. I'll give you a, an example. So again, master lease agreement, land contract, contract for deed, or you can fit all in the same box for now for, to learn the principle behind what I'm about to share with you. Now, let me give you a quick explanation. You can see the power of it. Number one, when you use a master lease contract for deed or land contract, there's no banks involved. So you're not getting any applications to the bank. There's no appraisal. There's no origination fee. There's no credit check. None of that involved when you do this creative technique. Again, I'll give you an example in a second. So you take over the bank payments. The seller has an existing mortgage. You're going to start making those payments. You're going to pay the bank. You're going to make the mortgage payment. You're going to pay the taxes. You're going to pay the insurance. You're going to do the repairs. So, so you're going to take over all the operations. So you're taking over the property. You get all of the cash flow and the equity built up. So once you take over the property with the master lease and you create cash flow, it's yours. You're going to, you're going to pay the seller, the, his mortgage, his interest payments. Everything else is yours. And as you increase your rents and your NOI and you force the appreciation and create this massive equity in the future, that's all yours too. So your master lease agreement price or your land contract price, if it's a million in year one, by year five, if you increase rent and it's two million, this one million dollar profit is yours to keep. You need to pay the sellers this. You get to keep this. Powerful. So the seller gets a down payment plus monthly interest payment. So this is what the, this is what you get. This is what the seller gets. So the seller gets a down payment at the close of the deal when you take over the master lease and they get monthly payments. And I'll share that with you again, what that's going to be. And then the seller, this is the best part for the seller. The seller has zero property duties, zero responsibilities. You taking everything over. So this seller's distressed, needs to get out. You give him this down payment. You take over operations with the master lease land contract for deed, and you get to experience all the cash flow and equity buildup. He has zero responsibilities. Now, here's the key part. This is the difference between the master lease land contract for deed is on this side and a standard transaction where you're buying with the bank is on this side. Okay, now watch this. That's what I mean. Seller maintains legal title. So when you execute one of these techniques, you don't get legal title. So the title will not have your name on it. It stays in the seller's name. You get what we call equitable title. Equitable title means once you strike this agreement with the seller, by law, you get equitable title where you get the tax benefits, the cash flow, uh, the ownership, the, you get the experience. You can even 1031 exchange. Uh, I did one of these deals into a larger deal. Okay, so you get what we call equitable title. Now, 
You don't get all of the tax write-offs, okay? You don't get depreciation, but everything else you get to do with this uh, creative technique here. So now what I want to do here is this master lease agreement, this contract for deed, this land contract, what I want to do is give you an example of one of our students who took down a large self-storage facility using this technique. So this student's name is Dean, and he's been a, a guest on our YouTube channel twice. And his last video where he took down a very large, I believe it was over 100,000 square foot, I think 190 or 119,000 square foot self-storage facility where he used creative financing. And what he created massive value. And right now I'm going to break it all down for you how he used a master lease. And he used basically our four-step process. All right, so here's our four-step process. Remember, you always have to have this process. Don't skip one or you're going to mess up. Step one, number one, is you have to know the seller motivation. In this case, Dean and I met on the coaching calls and we really pulled out of the sellers what his motivations were. They're basically the seller didn't want to pay capital gains taxes. And then number two, he didn't want to deal with an agent. So right away, we knew that it had to be something creative. And this seller wanted to sell. He wanted to get out of the business, he and his wife. But they don't want to pay capital gains taxes right away. And number two, they didn't want to deal with any agents. So we were able to help them. So after you understand the motivation, you're going to structure the deal around the motivation. So the deal structure was a three-year master lease agreement. Now, let me break this down for you. The purchase price was $2.5 million. The down payment was 10%. Remember, the bank would have required 25 or 30% down here. Dean didn't have that. He had 10%. So remember, when you do a master lease, no banks are involved. So the, the down payment can be whatever you and a seller can come up with. Remember the saying, uh, motivated seller, motivated buyer, beautiful things happen. This is an example of that. So he put down 10%, which is $250,000. So he owes, after he puts down the 10%, 2250000 right? So he's going to pay 5% interest on that balance of 2250000 interest-only payments for three years. So Dean will owe the seller 9375 a month for the next three years. So Dean gets to take over this property. He gets to get the rents up. He gets to get all the cash flow, most of the tax benefits. The seller, you know, walked away with $250,000. No responsibilities, places getting $93.75 a month for the next three years. You see how this is a win-win for everybody? Step three, we made our offer with our master lease agreement contract. Of course, I can't give that to you. That's privy to our students because that's 20 years of my sweat and blood getting this contract right, okay? But that's what we use. We use our master lease agreement contract. And we got both sides, we got their attorneys involved, and we got really involved with that to make sure that Dean's interests were protected and we created a win-win for the seller. Step four is the extra strategy. Remember that you have to have an extra strategy thought of before you close this deal. You have to. So extra strategy for Dean was to buy this property and sell in three years. So he plans on getting control of this property. Uh, he's gonna partialize some of this space in there uh, he understands the market really well, and he knows who to get into the units to increase the rents, to increase the NOI. So the day that Dean closed, the NOI was about $73,000 a year. By year three, and he's already um, 
probably going to exceed this because it's been a while since he owned this property. The NOI, the net operating income by year three, is going to go from $73,000 to $285,000 per year. And as you know from your studies and me saying this over and over again, the higher your NOI goes, the higher your property value goes. So this is one of the beauties of commercial real estate is we get to force the appreciation by increasing the NOI. Dean has done a fantastic job of that while controlling expenses. So Dean is probably going to beat this projection, but this was our projection when, when we first closed the deal. Now, you know that if you can get your NOI and divided by the market cap rate, that math equals your value. So once Dean reaches 285000 by year three, his exit value will be at a seven cap. So we take 285000 we divide it by 7%. And that equals our exit value of $4 million. Okay, so Dean is going from $2.5 million, putting down $250. He's going to put his sweat, blood, and tears on the property, getting a rinse up. And by the end of the year three, it's going to be $4 million. You see the power of that? Dean couldn't do all this if he had to put down 25 or 30%. So once you understand a seller motivation, you understand how to structure the deal with a master lease, you make the offer, and then you execute this part. So I hope you understand this four-step process. It also applies to the other techniques that I'm about to get into now. All right, here is another technique. This is probably my, my second favorite technique as it's equally as powerful as the master lease contract for deed and land contract. But it's a little different. And remember, we structure the techniques around the seller motivation. So let me give you this one example here. So what if, now I like the word what if, because you can only figure out what to do after what if, if you know these techniques. So what if the seller, okay, the property owner has no mortgage. So you meet the seller, you guys have a great conversation. And he says, by the way, I don't have a mortgage on the property. Right away, I want you to be thinking seller financing. Most times when a seller has no mortgage, oftentimes they're open to seller financing. So what if the seller, he wants to sell, but right now he's cash flowing on the property, but he wants to sell, but he wants to maintain some of the income. It's how he lives off the property. So how do you get the best of both worlds? Remember, I want you to create win-wins, right? So here's the situation, the seller wants to sell and continue with the income of the property. How in the world do you do that? You do it like this. So he wants to sell, but wants to maintain income. And what if he says to you, I'm willing to hold paper. Now that's a terminology you need to get used to. A lot of these old sellers, when they say hold paper, that means they're willing to hold a mortgage for you. And back in the good old days, the mortgages were on paper. So they're gonna hold the paper themselves. Now, we're not dealing with the bank. The bank is not holding the paper. The seller is holding the mortgage. He's holding the paper. Or he'll say, I'm willing to owner finance. A lot of times he's willing to owner finance because he has no mortgage. The property is free and clear from any loans from a bank. We love when that happens. So when the seller has no mortgage, he's willing to hold paper. This is called a seller carry first mortgage technique. The seller becomes the bank to you. The seller will issue a loan to you. So let's say the property is 500000 You give him $50,000 down. So there's a balance of $450,000. The 
the seller will give you a mortgage for $450,000 in first position. That's why it's called seller carry first. Now, where do you start? So once the seller says, okay, I'll hold paper for you. Where do you start? What do you offer him? This is where we start. This is where our students start. We always start with this. We start with the 1055 principle. What that is, you're going to give them 10% down, 5% interest only payments for five years. 1055. Get that ingrained into your brain. When you meet one of these sellers, 1055 is where you start. Because oftentimes you'll say, okay, seller, will you give me my terms? Let's do seller financing. And the seller will always say, okay, so what did you have in mind? What you have in mind is 1055. Don't forget that. Now, this 1055 structure, this um, principle here, the seller carry first, it's ideal for sellers with no mortgage. Okay, they own a property free and clear. It's ideal for distressed properties. It is because what if uh, this seller here has no mortgage, but his property is in shambles? So it has a great location, it has great potential. But if a lender were to look at this, an appraiser and a inspector look at this, they would say, what a mess. Has potential, what a mess. So the lenders will probably back off. You need to go to this approach here. So distressed properties, high interest rates. So if we can get a 5% interest rate today, you win. And the seller wins as well because you get to sell the property. And lastly, if a distressed seller. Let's say, for example, the, the seller is ill and can't go through with the sale for whatever reason. He just wants you to kind of take it over. He has no mortgage on the property. He can be the lender for you on this property to get the deal done. Got it? This is the seller carry first mortgage. Now, I want to share with you a slightly different technique, the seller carry second mortgage next. All right, here is the third technique. What if you don't have all the down payment. That happens to a lot of us, right? So what do you do? What if you have a motivated seller, you have a great property, a cash flow is great, uh, the market is great, rents are going up, and it's a life-changing deal, but you don't have all of the down payment. What do you do? You're gonna use this technique. So what if you don't have all of the down payment saved up? that a bank would require. Most banks require you to have 25% down. What if you don't have the whole thing? Here's an example. Let's say the purchase price is $500,000 for your commercial property. The down payment will be 25% or $125,000. But you only have 75. So there's a $50,000 shortage right there. What's the solution? Here's a solution right here. The seller will carry the $50,000 as a second mortgage, hence the word seller carry second mortgage. So in this case, the seller holds a mortgage for you in second position. So when you go to the bank, the bank's going to want their 25% down. You're going to put down 75%, but the bank, they're only going to lend to you the 75%, right? So, so you're short 50,000. So, the, the bank's going to give you a, uh, a loan in first position, and then the, the seller's going to give you another loan. He will be in second position. So that's why it's called the seller holds a mortgage in second position. So you have the first mortgage from the bank. You have the second mortgage held by the seller. And what terms do you offer? As best you can get. Okay, so I would try 4 to 5% interest-only payments to the seller. Try that. And then it's ideal for buyers, that's you, who don't have all of the down payment that a bank would require. Seller carry second mortgage. 
have it in your toolbox of strategies when this applies to you, when you find a great deal is life-changing, but you don't have all the money yourself that a bank would require, check this out. All right, I hope you're starting to see how valuable it is to know these techniques in today's market. Whatever market you're in, these techniques work. You may have to adjust them, but they work. But in today's market, these techniques are a must-know. All right, I'm going to finish up here by sharing with you the last two techniques. There are more, but I'm going to just give you five to really let them soak in so you can start to use them. Okay, this is exactly what we teach our students to do in our program. Now, if you want to learn more about our program, you can you can check us out if you want. But anyway, here's the last two, all right? So this technique is called a sale leaseback. It's a very common commercial real estate creative financing technique. Here it is, it has great benefits and it's a really old technique. So here's the situation. Let's say that uh, you find a building where you have a doctor or dentist in it and their practice is in the building and they own the building. They're not real estate investors. They are doctors or dentists. They're really good at being a doctor or dentist and they happen to own this real estate. So what they're gonna do, they're gonna sell their building to you. They're gonna stay in it, but they're gonna sell it to you. You will lease it back to them. That's what's called sale leaseback. The benefits are the doctor or the dentist, it frees up their cash. So they're no longer real estate owners. They got all their equity built up in that property back to them so they can do what they want. They can expand their practice. They can buy new equipment. They can pay off medical supplies that needed or whatever they can do. All their cash is freed up so they can do what they do best. And then what you get, you inherit an automatic and established tenant with a fixed rent. Okay, so lenders love that. So lenders are going to say, okay, Peter, you want to buy this building? Who's the tenant? Well, the tenant is going to be this doctor. He's been there for 15 years already and uh, he's well established and, and everything. So the banks like that. So you do this this medical office building, you purchase it with a tenant that's already been in there and they're going to stay in there. They're implanted in there. Lenders love that. You get the best terms that way. So this is called the sale leaseback. The last one I'll share with you, this is it's called seller equity participation. This is something that we probably invented. So here in this situation, the seller sells the property to you. In this case, it works best if the seller has a lot of equity. The seller owns very little in the building. So the seller sells her property to you, but some of her profits go to your down payment. So the seller, at the close of escrow, she gets her profits, but some of it, that equals 25%, of the purchase price that you're buying, it's gonna go back as the down payment into, into the property. So in this case, there are two main benefits. The first benefit is you have uh, basically no down payment for yourself. The seller is putting in the down payment into the property for you. Why would she do that? Well, the seller made a profit, but the seller is, is gonna become a limited partner with you. So the seller gets majority of the money back Part of that goes in the property goes for ownership. So even though she had majority money back, now she's getting paid a certain rate of interest on her money or she gets a certain interest in the property, you know, for as long as you own the property. So it's a great way for that seller to maintain income, also to maintain being in the real estate game, even though she just sold everything to you. Again, it's ideal for sellers with a lot of equity. So. Thank you for hanging out. I know it's a lot to absorb, but it is so important that you understand these techniques.